0: Hello, welcome to another episode of I Love Rock and Roll. I'm Ken Krantz. Chip is still on vacation. I always feel like um, I always feel like a, like an anchor person when I got to announce who's here and who's not here. But uh, with me, as always, behind the boards, Big Kahuna. What's up? What's going on? Not much, man. Thanks for making it. No problem. Who are we talking about today with our special guest? Well, first, let's introduce our guest. Uh, Our guest is one of my favorite comedians. He's uh, one of my really close friends. Um, He's been on the show before. He has an album coming out in November called The Check Spot. Do I have that right? You goddamn right you do baby (laughs) (laughs) i like that enthusiasm it's um it's an album recorded if you don't know what the check spot is in comedy that's where they drop the check on you and the entire club stops paying attention at the same time and you've recorded an album during the check spot
1: (laughs) it's nothing but check spots it is It's a question and answer too, because I'm just not dumb enough to record an album during the check spot. I make it interactive with drunks, drunk (laughs) people paying their bills, doing math, asking me anything. Yes, that is what is coming out, my friend, November twelfth.
0: November twelfth. Uh, welcome James Mattern back to the show. Yeah, man. What's going? I actually think that is one of the most punk rock sounding comedy album concepts that uh it's original i've never heard anything like it
1: well thank you i mean part of it is when i was pitching it <laughs> forgive me i'm dealing with non-covid cold um isn't it funny you have to like tell people what you got now it's like not yeah. just okay you got to be like yo i think it's just a cold i'm not spreading the disease I'm yeah fucking <laughs> yeah oh so um Dude, we had like metal machine music in our minds with this, like Lou Reed, Mm -hmm. just like a a, a comedy concept album because it's kind of difficult to do. And ironically, I don't know if you want to take the cat out of the bag. um, Funhouse is like an influence on my comedy. And to me, this kind of feels like we were doing Funhouse.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that leads us that leads us right into today's topic. uh, Iggy and the Stooges. Yes, sir. Um, My favorites. Yes. Yeah. Would you say would you say the the best American rock band?
1: That's always an interesting question to ask that I go back. It's like, what is the criteria? Like, so are they my favorite? Possibly. Uh, They are very American. They're from Michigan. Iggy was in a trailer park uh, for years Uh, That's real America People forget about that If you really want to see What America is It's a goddamn trailer park That's what our country is Yeah Uh, So that's That's an argument I think the Beach Boys uh, I think that's a sound argument When people want to say The Beach Boys I'm like Okay you win I'm fine with that Come on Cars Surfing
0: Blondes Helping people Charles Manson so, Charles Manson you Can't get can't get more American than that You can't get more American than than
1: um uh, A teen wolf Being on, <laughs> on top of a van Surfing to your music in Don't a, get in me started In the
0: 80s Don't get me started on teen wolf mm, Good lord You know I'm obsessed with that movie right Maybe I am Teen Wolf. I
1: had to tell this lady friend of mine the other day that I am uh, not a fan of Back to the Future, and uh, she wasn't pleased with that, But and then it came out that I love Teen Wolf. She's like, this is worse than saying that you just don't like Back to the Future. You like Teen Wolf and don't like Back to the Future? I'm like, yes, yeah. I do, baby. Yeah. You got to go with the flow, Joe, because I win in the end. <laughs>
0: The goddamn soundtrack. I love. I love. I actually think. Uh, I think Back to the Future was a great movie. I've never seen two or three because I've never even been curious enough to to check them out. Uh, Teen Wolf is a pretty goddamn near perfect eighties comedy, though, in my opinion. It don't make no goddamn sense.
1: It's a stupid film, and I
0: love it. The fact, <laughs>
1: the fact that it
0: got. Uh, uh,
1: approved and made just when people want to say that the eighties were the best decade. I mean, it's fun, but I mean, the amount of cocaine that has to be <laughs> in your body as a movie executive to green, like that film. Yeah. to green, like that film green, like that, that script. Yes. I
0: mean, it's utterly insane. My, my favorite thing is that nobody in that high school's terrified of Teen Wolf. Like he—he's a friendly wolf. Yeah, he transforms into a werewolf in the middle of a basketball game and nobody runs out screaming he's going to kill us all.
1: One person doesn't like him when he becomes a wolf. That little turncoat son of a bitch, Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> that little son of a bitch. <laughs> He's just jealous that he could get the keg of fucking beer.
0: I just worked with uh, I just worked with Orny Adams all weekend, who is yeah. who's on the Teen Wolf TV show, and they just announced they're turning that show into uh, I think a trilogy of movies. So he, I was working with him when the day that he got the call that he he was going to be in movies, and. Um, I spent all weekend asking him about the Teen Wolf movie, like the Michael, like the one that he's not in. That he was. Oh, that's fun. (laughs) Yeah,
1: he probably appreciated that. (laughs) The the little that I know of him, I'm sure he really enjoyed it.
0: He was actually a good dude. We hit it off right away, and and he, I think he knew that I was like asking sarcastically, but I, I could not shut up about the Teen Wolf movie. Um. Yeah, so let's uh, let's talk Iggy and the Stooges. So, so I I, I think um, for me, best American band, uh, they're on my Mount Rushmore. I don't yes. know, who, who's who's your who's your Mount Rushmore? Who's your four of American bands? Yeah, give me American bands.
1: That, me personally or overall? Just like you, if just I'm being you. objective,
0: just you personally? Yeah, just what's yours?
1: Okay, all right so sound garden yeah Ooh. yeah uh guns and roses yeah 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 we got to do that um oh shit who am i forgetting there's someone who's always in there with those wonderful bands Oh, the Beastie Boys, if you want to count them as a yes, band. Yeah, yes. you got to. Yeah, you have to. And then throw Iggy in there. Uh, the Chili Peppers flirt with being... I mean, they are they're, I like them, and I know you catch a lot of shit for, for liking the Peppers. Yeah. Their but, monument li- is under construction. What's that? Their monument is under construction. They're to be added, yeah. possibly. Uh, when you tell people you love the Chili Peppers or you 2 you, oh, you just really... The eye rolls that people give you, like, they're not great bands. They... So what? Ballads. Yeah. Great. Everyone's got lay to ballots. Enjoy it. Enjoy them. Um, sometimes you need to cry at three in the morning. Fuck it. I mean, I'm so sick of it. The, they're like 40 and 50 year old men and, and Bono's probably 60. What are they going to sing about? Cars with the roof down. What are they going to sing? Panama?
0: Yeah. And le- leave, leave that to the beach, boys. Yeah.
1: Still doing their thing. Mike Love loves just going to a fair spouting right-wing politics and, and, and introducing a song 80 feet from someone making a funnel cake. <laughs> <laughs>
0: he, is, he is such an uh, unapologetic asshole that he there, I've seen clips where I'm like, I disagree with everything, but this dude's winning me over a little bit he's a charming guy and i i know people make fun of that voice i love it yeah oh,
1: it's so silly I love
0: it. you just gotta hold your nose
1: yes that's exactly what it is i uh i mean I, we'll get back on the studios but it is hilarious that the beach boys are two separate bands people don't realize that yeah, <laughs> it's, it's brian wilson whoever he wants to sing with him and great studio musicians yeah and then the, the touring band, there's been a guy in the touring band of the Beach Boys for like 50 years.
0: Oh, yeah. He's a, oh, oh, like, uh, what's Bruce it? Johnson. Jay Johnson. Oh. Jay Johnson. Yeah. Is it a Jay? Uh, Bruce. Bruce. I, I think it's Bruce. Bruce Johnston
1: There's just too many Johnstons and Jay Johnson. Just too <laughs> many. <laughs> NBA, Beach whole,
0: Boys. <laughs> there's too many of them. It's a whole nother episode. So, um, Iggy and the Stooges. Or the Stooges, depending. Yeah, depending. This is a really interesting band because they had two completely separate lives. They had two acts. The first act from 1967 to 1973, and in that act, there's two very different, distinct eras of the band, and then their second act is. I want to say 2003 until about 2016. Yeah. And again, with two very different separate eras within the second act.
1: Yeah. It was interesting. They, they, they reincarnate the fact that James Williamson comes into the band changes everything initially. And then that he comes back. Yeah. Cause there's rumors about who was going to take over on guitar. Steve Jones of the Sex Pistols swore that he was promised that gig, yeah. and then it ended up going back to James Williamson.
0: Right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, we'll get in there, but James Williamson was like an executive with Sony at the time. What a great
1: story! Cleans up from
0: H and yeah. goes and goes into
1: technology. And then retires, yeah, the makes sh- some loot, and then goes, "Yeah, I'll play guitar
0: again, dummy." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure is way more successful at Sony. I mean, had to have been way more successful uh, at Sony than than he ever could have been in in his time with the Stooges. And and then- I mean, they made eight cents. This band <laughs> made. Eight, but people this don't band. realize.
1: And when, when people get upset with their careers and that in anything, and it's like you got to like look at it. There's utter geniuses that didn't make a goddamn penny. The Velvets made Ugats. Yeah. That's why like when Iggy got shit, when like uh what was it uh Search and Destroy Seek and Destroy uh ended up on the um I always as big a fan, I always confuse which song is the goddamn Metallica title and which one it's search I, and destroy. I do too.
0: it's search and destroy yeah. is the Stooges. Yeah. But um
1: When that, I believe, was on a car commercial, people gave him shit. And he gave a very wonderful answer. I don't mind it being um, on something commercial because it wasn't made commercial. What he's trying to tell you is we made eight fucking cents and we changed the game. Let me have something. Let me eat something. Let let me have a house. Yeah, let me have a nice house. (coughs) At at 61, can't have a goddamn house after all these years. Everyone loves this music. They should have made. Let's just be honest, if 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 it was what it was actually worth, ten I mean, they should have made millions off those yeah. three records. Millions. Yes. Yeah. Lots of life should have made millions. The idiots should have
0: made millions. Yeah. These are
1: these are timeless, unbelievable records that have changed everything.
0: Right. That 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 got no recognition. They they were passed up for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They were, they were nominated seven times before they even got in.
1: And you know how they got in.
0: They they had to agree to, to play for Madonna.
1: They were the proxy for Madonna. Madonna didn't want to play. She introduces them as fellow Michiganers. Yeah, and they, and they do what? Ray Light and Bur- Burning and Burning for you. Up. Yeah, they do. Burning they
0: do. Up. By the way, they do a version of Burning Up that is one of my all-time favorite cover versions of of anybody ever. Like they they took unbelievably Madonna pop song and turned it into a legit Stooges song.
1: It's insane. And then what, a year or two later, they're in.
0: Yeah, and then and then they're in the following. Yeah, it's like they just had to play nice. But then it's also like, fuck you, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame.
1: Uh, I believe you know how I feel about the Rocker Hall of Fame. It's um, that and the... I love when people get worked up about that. And I will get worked up about it. But people put merit into that and like the WWE Hall of Fame. Oh, you mean a Hall of Fame of a scripted sport where yeah, you can yeah, just where the, the guy owns it there's no ballot there's no ballot so i love that people give merit he's a hall of famer yeah because the owner just put him the fuck in yeah. you could have a hall of fame on right. this podcast
0: yeah like how is that different yeah it's like darren star creating the beverly hills 90210 hall of fame yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what are we doing it's it's so crazy that hall of fame's a snobbery it's 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 weird what they put in And what they don't How snobby they are And how snobby they aren't That they Have taken years To put Punk pioneers Yeah I mean the New York Dolls Are still not in the goddamn thing
0: And never And never will be Like haven't
1: even come close (laughs) Two weeks after David Johansson dies They'll find a way To get them in And they'll be like We always loved them Why don't you put them in When they're alive I remember when I mean like They took forever With the Beasties Yeah And and, oh, guess what happens? Um, Yao can't show up and perform and dies a week later. Yeah. Great job, assholes. There's this whole thing of, of I never understood making an artist wait. Like, like, like the body of work that you're judging is done. Yes. It doesn't change. I don't understand what the athlete, he, he, he's not going to get another five rebounds in a game. <laughs> it, he's done. It's but, like
0: Bernie Mac and Mr. 3000.
1: Yeah, me, there's no coming back. Like, the body of work is there. Put them in so that people can celebrate. Didn't they drag their. T- the, the Ramones didn't get in right away, right? Didn't they make them sit a year or yeah, two or I'm no? Yeah, sure,
0: yeah. They must have. A- and they're they, all they fucking. I mean, you, 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 you know who got yeah. in immediately? Fucking ABBA.
1: Who I'm okay <laughs> with, baby, because knowing me is like knowing you. I want you to know that. But, but yes, and it's weird what they put in right away to look cool and modern i mean it, it, it's very embarrassing cornell's dead still not soundgarden and still just yeah. you know they've had no influence on anyone whatever <laughs> it, it's insane to me. it took a 100 years to put dire straits in
0: yeah oh yeah that's uh, a that's a good point
1: you can't go three feet in america without hearing mark knobler noodling around on sultan's swing <laughs> and it's good you love it every
0: time <laughs> Um, So, the Stooges So, let's talk about that first era So, um, they form in 1967 Which is really like the tail end of the summer of love And uh, all of that It's all hippie music Iggy Pop So, there's a really um, James, I know you and I We have different opinions on this documentary But on Amazon Prime There's a great Documentary by Jim Jarmusch uh, called "Gimme Danger" that that yes. gives that gives the history of the Stooges. I know you're not you're not as enamored with it as I am.
1: It is good, but because it's them, I think I have issues with Jarmusch as a filmmaker. I don't know what he does. I want to love him. I love his hair. I love how cool he is. <laughs> he
0: does seem like a cool dude, right? Like he looks like he should be at least a roadie of a good band.
1: Him and I would have a great cup of coffee. But it's I don't know what it is. I, I'm okay with this one. He did a Neil Young and Crazy Horse doc that is incredibly boring and sludgy. And it's just like I don't know how you make Neil Young and Crazy
0: Horse boring. I don't know. But it's year <laughs> the horse is It's brutal It's brutal I haven't seen that It's funny I have that in my queue To I have a long queue Of shit that I just Never watch I just add to it And then I never Remove anything from it
1: Yeah well You you could Here Let me remove it For you Let's save that Between that And Dead Man Minus Neil's wonderful soundtrack I mean I don't smoke tobacco I mean Are we gonna do this joke For two and a half Fucking hours
0: (laughs) Dead Man Jesus Christ that was Johnny Depp, right? Like Johnny a, a Depp. black and white western. I vaguely remember that. Iggy's in it. Yes. Yeah. Well, Jim Jarmusch puts Iggy in, in everything, pretty much.
1: He does love music. He loves Tom Waits, yes. who I love. Yes. Yeah. Um,
0: so the so the first, so the first classic lineup of the Stooges, uh, Iggy Pop. And then two brothers: uh, Scott Ashton on drums, Ron Ashton on guitar, and Dave Alexander on bass. Um, their first album, self-titled, is um, has "I Want to Be Your Dog" on it, which is, you know, one of the most famous, influential songs of all time. That. And to this day, you still never hear them on the radio. Like You'll never hear that on the radio. Never. You'd have a better chance of
1: hearing um, the president saying he's going to just hand you money personally on the radio (laughs) than any of these songs.
0: (laughs) Right. And they're all hugely influenced. Like, we wouldn't have... Rock wouldn't look like in 2021 what it does... Today, if these songs hadn't come out 50 years ago,
1: no chance. I will say this on radio bumpers, used uh, like when, when Nick DiPaolo and Artie Lang had a radio show, 1969 mm-hmm. was used as like a bumper and like for promos and that. So that was the closest I got to it uh, to hearing anything off this yes. on the radio.
0: Yeah, so they they were signed to a two record deal by Electra Records. Um, the same guy who discovered or managed the Ramones, Danny Fields. The great Danny Fields, The yes. great Danny Fields. There's another, there's a great documentary on him called Danny Says. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Ramones song Danny Says is about him, um, but uh, he discovers them along with another great Detroit band uh, that's always overlooked, the MC5. Um and MC five locally in Detroit had more going on than the Stooges. The the Stooges had sort of formed without really even knowing how to play their instruments. What? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, they they just they they loved music and they wanted to be in a band and they went around telling everybody they were in a band. Apparently this was their trick. I read um before Iggy joined, the Ashton brothers Told everybody they had a band called the Dirty Shames, which is a fucking great name for a band. Very by good. the way, great band name. And they looked cool, and they told everybody they were in this band, and their reputation started growing. But the thing is, they'd never actually played. <laughs> they had. I, I I read something today that was hilarious. Um, I was going back, looking through. We, we've talked about this book before. Please kill me. It's an oral history on on punk rock by the great Legs of McNeil, and um, they were talking about they were talking about this band, the Dirty Shames, and their reputation started growing, and part of it had to do with the fact that nobody had actually seen them. So brilliant move. Yes. Uh, And then they get called. uh, I, I think it was Ron Ashton gets called to a meeting with a local promoter who it's the first guy. It's the first time the Stones are coming to Detroit. And uh, this promoter said that he'd heard so much about this band, the Dirty Shames, and did they want to open for the Rolling Stones? They were looking for uh, a local a local act. And they realized then that they couldn't possibly open for the Rolling Stones because they, they made up some bullshit excuse. Isn't that fun? Isn't that? But w- wouldn't you think like all that time you spent telling people you were in a great band, if you just spent it practicing and performing you maybe could have opened for the rolling stones no man this is that they were ahead of the time this is what uh
1: comedy is now where you just put out a video and promote it and then you get booked and it's like oh i i don't have four minutes like (laughs) it really is comedy now it's it's you spend your time telling people who you are and how good it is at promoting but you don't really have much to show for what you're promoting what are you promoting i don't have a body of work but god damn the body of work ends up being um just the promotion the promotion is the the thing yeah so they were ahead of it yes i, I mean and what a move in the late 60s yeah yeah that's terrific i, I probably wouldn't even have formed a band. <laughs> <laughs> I would have just been like, yeah, we We turned down the Stones, we were too big Yeah, Why were you too big? We never actually played
0: What? Yeah I yeah. wonder how high up the ladder they could have Gotten just by turning shit down Because, you know, they'd be like, oh my god Did you hear? They, they turned down opening For the Stones, they must They must be so good <laughs> They could have just Put out a record of silence at that point Yeah, right Like Pootie Tang Yeah <laughs> <laughs> so um, the first album Stooges, 1969, it comes out, and it is—it doesn't sound like anything. It doesn't sound like anything else. It, it gets considerable airplay in Detroit, but they get no national promotion from Elektra Records. It sounds like Danny Fields the only one that sees what this band actually is and, and, oh, and it, yeah and he, he was at his whole life yeah right and the suits at Elektra just didn't get it yeah uh, and um, it was it was produced by by the way so um, it was like the Velvet Underground and the Stooges were right around the same time and then those were the two bands that all the other kids like there's this great story about the Ramones met. In high school, and even though they didn't like each other for the most part, they all had, they were all Stooges fans. Yeah. So they, they came together over their love of the Stooges albums and they wanted to do a band like that. So all of these other American bands got a hold of the, the Velvets and the Stooges and um, formed their own shit.
1: Yeah, I mean, there was always a saying that no one bought the Velvet Underground album, but everyone who did went and formed a band. The right. Stooges were kind of similar. And the issue with both those bands, particularly in the, the late 60s, that was to the height of flower power and love. And neither of those bands were. A, the music and the sounds were different. I mean, the Velvets had some hippie-ish type stuff. Yeah. They weren't like a Same. thrashy type sound, but the, the Stooges sounded you know like Iggy said they were going for industrial sounds they're yeah. from Detroit they wanted to uh emulate the factories which is a, just the coolest influence for yes. a uh, band like factories it's yeah. crazy and then all the dark lyrics that both those bands the uh, the wonderful dark poetry street poetry of Lou and this simple Iggy's interesting man with the, those lyrics it's like to a simple level, it doesn't seem like he is a great poet. And no. he is some yes. of those words are so simple. But you look at it. I will quote this line a lot to people. And they have no idea where it comes from. And it's just how good it is. People lose their mind when I say I'm a street walking cheetah with a heart full of napalm. People have that's like the coolest yes. sentence ever. How are you going to play that? So that comes out, what, 72, 72, yeah, seventy-two, seventy-three. How the fuck is that going to compete with what over the hill and far away yeah how's that gonna compete with that? how's that gonna compete with whatever else is going on these pop songs i'm sure rod stewart was post faces and farting around with strings and makeup and <laughs> ruining his legacy <laughs> at that point and and singing the pop blondes and videos and all this shit yeah
0: how how is that lyric gonna fit in With what was going on that it's it's I mean it's clearly not. Well it's funny you say that. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull this up. But um uh so funhouse comes out. So you you were talking about uh Search and Destroy, which is off raw power, which is seventy three. That's their second era. But but Funhouse is it's the bookend to to the end of the first era. Uh still the classic lineup. They go To uh, they go to LA to record what turns out to be this you know monumentally influential second record that, of course, like you know, that didn't make like you said eight cents at the time. They record the album, and I was texting with you about this uh, earlier today, they record the album in 13 days. Which is is nuts. Which is insane. Like when you think about like what else was coming out around. It was like the Eagles took four years to record the Long Run. Yeah, and you probably don't remember two songs off of it. You know, and and millions of dollars. They do this. I read the schedule today. Uh, It was thirteen days. The first day was. Runthroughs of of the. I think there's only seven songs on the album, so they just ran through them all, and then each day they would just play one song over and over and over, uh, and um, pick the best take, and then and then they spent a few days on the back end mixing it.
1: Yeah, and you can find you can find all these takes. Yes. they released them.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's this episode, this album of 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 seven of seven tracks has been re released in box sets so many times. Um, there's there's versions of it where you know they, they took the seven tracks and now it's like seventy. You know, you you hear all of the demos, all the different takes. Um and so to your point before like what was going on in music then I pulled up so this is in 1970 there's no obvious single off the album They're all jams basically Yes yeah
1: the whole album is is somewhere in between Louis Louie and John Coltrane or Nick Coleman it's yeah. it, it's it's that's the beauty of this record there's the rawness of Nuggets uh, and the garage bands of yeah. that, and early Rolling Stones, yes. if you want, yeah. And, and with the freedom that Coltrane was doing, and Cornet was doing, and and Mingus was doing, where you just jam and fit Miles and just figuring it out in a, gr- you know, they were doing this in a garage. I mean, Yes. If, of course, a studio, but if it still to me feels like you have to remind me. You have to, you had to tell me that sentence that they went to a studio yeah and recorded for thirteen. yeah, days. It's,
0: it's it's it sounds the, like a garage to me. it It's the yeah, absolutely sounds like they're in a garage. You can tell not a lot of overdubs. They're in the same room facing each other, which is how the Rolling Stones always recorded. Um, it's the closest thing on record to capturing what they were live there there's the i think the first album by the way produced did i say produced by John Cale of the Velvet Underground uh and didn't but you did now, yeah, baby yeah. which is huge <laughs> he added the piano yeah and Nico was Nico from from the band was swirling around the recording the whole time um Jimmy Dimi <laughs> I think she called him Jimmy in a weird accent TV <laughs> I'm sure she did yeah they, that album it it's it doesn't the song the songs are great there's some filler but what's great on that album is great no fun i want to be your dog um, but it sounds there's a production to it there's almost a quiet production to it that that doesn't really fit them funhouse nails and and by the way I had to look this up cuz I was like how do i not know who produced funhouse and it's funny that you mentioned louie louie because the keyboardist from the Kingsman Who wrote and recorded Louie yes. Louis," Is the dude that, rec- that produced Funhouse Isn't that terrific? Yeah And, it's, and by it's, the way Louie yeah, Louie is the ultimate garage rock song like You don't get more Like that defines the sound and, and then he produces this absolute stone classic garage rock album Well it's kind of where punk came from like yes. if,
1: you, if you if you ever see like 24 hour party people they they use Louis Louis several times in that with the Sex Pistols it's just the raw three chords where it came from and just pure rock and roll when rock and roll gets bloated and disgusting that's the song everyone goes back to right yeah is is that that is the pure three chords and the truth yep and so this all makes sense but that's the beauty it's so hard to explain to people the magic of this record is how it comes from that and yet free type jazz how they how it this is an album about freedom it's a band about freedom we don't want to overplay but we want to play so our songs are going to be three chords but we're allowed to play within it and see what happens yeah Crazy. Yeah, it's it doesn't because what happens is like obviously with jamming, it becomes goddamn math. And, you know, I think prog rock now has like a respect and almost a nerdy punk credibility after these years. But when prog rock is bad, holy shit, it's it's (laughs) it's terrible. terrible. Yeah. And so you don't want to become that, but you still want the freedom to play. Like Neil Young's another person who flirts with it where it's three chords, but you could do a nine minute song with three chords and have all this passion and musicianship but not overplay and not be sloppy and not be pretentious and this is this is what which is crazy this came out probably within months of uh, everybody knows this is nowhere which is kind of a right not as boy i want to describe this record as almost bloodthirsty it's not as bloodthirsty. It's it's a little more chill than this, but this is an album that hits you over the head with a hammer. Yes. And says this is
0: what we do here. Yeah. McKay yeah, with the, the horns. Oh. The, the yeah, that's the sax is what makes they, they, they bring in this saxophone player, Steve McKay, who who I, I saw uh I I was lucky enough to see the Stooges a bunch of time, you know, on their second second run. And um he just it it was it was he was like dropping an atom bomb into the mix it's there's amazing. there's it is they they just you can tell they just gave him free reign. They were like, play what you want, play what you feel they they told him to play like Maceo Parker on acid, which yeah. I which I always thought was funny because I was like, I'm sure Maceo Parker was just Maceo Parker on acid yeah. <laughs> <laughs> be like. Oh, play this like Keith Richards, but on heroin. Like, no, I think that's. Uh, yeah, I think it's already understood. <laughs> yeah, but the uh, yeah, I can't. I I I can't. It's so funny because everything is so raw on that album, and and everything's just thrown into the mix together. But that sax is the one thing I can't imagine the album without. It's
1: so powerful. Like the title track is. The, the horn and that the sax and that it just my, my inner soul so it's weird as a comic and it's good so pretentious. i like made a list of songs that i gave to uh, this place I was playing during the pandemic uh, that i called my inner soul uh these are songs that if i listen to before it gets me where i need to be creatively and funhouse the title track mm-hmm. and that the bass and the sax it's, it's something that plays constantly in my head, which probably makes me sound like a sociopath or whatever. Uh, lock the doors at night. But it, it, it really that that rhythm and freedom and energy, the combination of all those things is so pitch perfect on that track. God, it's it's it's, it's unbelievable. And it's yeah. crazy that there's people who've never heard it. Right. It, because I, I just remember this is an album. I, I was trying to do a list of this a few weeks ago, the albums that I listened to the first time and I just go, OK, like it that floored me. And this is one of those records. It's probably 10 or 12. I think I was trying to do the math. This is an album where I sat and listened and you go, Oh, okay. This is, this is different than everything else. And I'm blown away. Yeah. You know, sometimes you just listen to one and go, that's good. This is beyond good. This goes, this, this is going to change how I think. Yes. It's going to, how I appreciate music and how I live.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, So I pulled up what all the number one hits were in 1970. Oh, my God. It's going to be a lot of horse shit. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot of horse shit. Um, BJ Thomas, Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head. Not the worst. Um, No, these aren't terrible songs. A lot of Jackson 5, I Want You Back, uh, ABC. That's good. American Woman. That's fine. You know, bridge over troubled water. Oh my God, I cry like a
1: son of a bitch. <laughs> but uh, I prefer the Elvis version, though,
0: but go on. Oh, the the uh Beatles had two with a long and winding road, which is oh is that just their worst fucking song ever, possibly. I'm not a fan of that song. No. Thank you. I think we've Thank talked you. about that before.
1: Oh, why are you gotta kill the mood, Paul? Yeah.
0: <laughs> they that that and let it be, which in, in my opinion is not much better. I like let it be. Um the Partridge Family. I think I love you so. <laughs> you know, oh my God. not not the worst songs, but like where, like the Stooges, you know, singing. Uh, I I stick it deep inside. Stick <laughs> it deep inside. Because I'm loose. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, I feel like that song still couldn't get on the radio, and in what 2021 not a
1: chance um they were not an appropriate band in a lot of ways um i do read th- i've been rereading uh please kill me And there's lots of reasons to question my loyalty to this band uh, the, uh, the animals they were growing up yeah um that the, the interesting thing is um say whatever you want about entourage boy they play good music loose is used when r.a wants to um uh, burn Hellfire I think on The Office In one episode He's running around And loose his plan. I'm like Are, Is Entourage The broiest show In the history Of the world Playing f-
0: The Stooges loose. Yeah, even they. Yes. I was just listening to it on the way over. It's just, it still hits me so hard every time I hear it. Um, what was the first time either of you had ever heard the Iggy and the Stooges? Like where, where you were like, what is this, and why is it so awesome? Well, for me it was um it wasn't necessarily the Stooges, but my brother took me like I I knew Iggy Pop just from that song he did with the B fifty twos lady, you know, in, in junior high. Candy. Candy. Which by the way I still think think's a great song. I love it. Yeah. And um but my brother one night uh, it took me. I'd, I'd broken up with a girl, and I was taking this breakup hard. And I was moping around on the couch for months. And then one night, my brother came home and was like, come on, like get in the shower. I'm taking you to see Iggy Pop at Irving Plaza. Wow! And wow. He, he was like, I just saw him and it blew me away. And I was like, all right, like whatever, I could take it or leave it. And we went and I went with no expectations and not even knowing if I knew any of the music. And, um, Irving Plaza is a tiny little club. And I I walked out two hours later like with my mind completely blown. It was this guy. I mean, he had to have been in his 40s or or pushing even 50 at the time. And he was swinging from the rafters and jumping into the crowd. He was confrontational. And it was like it almost felt a little... Dangerous, like, like, oh God! I don't know what's gonna happen next. You know, I, I was so used to seeing these stadium shows and these big arena shows, where everything was. You know, I, I love like my favorite U2 album is Octung Baby. I, yeah, I mine did, as well. Yeah, and I loved that Zoo TV tours one of the coolest things I ever saw. But you also knew that it was choreographed to the step. Like you, they, they were they were posing in different, sp- and you knew that they stood in that same spot during the same song that you know the night before, and watching Iggy it was just like i don't know where he's going to be 2 seconds from now i don't know if he's going to be in the crowd throwing punches at the guy heckling him you know it it, it felt it felt danger there was like a little air of danger to it and then after seeing him live i went and got the all the albums and then i was almost i was almost a little disappointed at first because the st- his studio albums there's just no matching that live energy the it, he doesn't translate that great in the studio I, i'd say the one album he did with williamson
1: post stooges is pretty raw kill city um, yeah it's one, I of think my, that works. one of my favorite albums of all time the, that's wow. really great um i do i'm a huge fan i have uh, the Idiot on my wall, uh, but I'm a huge Lust for Life fan. I think yes. that record yeah. is. But it is. Produ- it's produced. Yeah. <coughs> oh, life's tough, huh? huh? Guys, I mean, this is crazy. <laughs> How did this happen? I mean, this is unbelievable. Um, this is what I get for going to see wrestling surrounded by 23,000 people in a goddamn tennis stadium that with the, you know. What a shocker I caught a little something What are you gonna do guys Um, You know Iggy Iggy caught a lot of things too So this is perfect I hope my (laughs) penis falls off I hope I get a A drip in my dick That would be the most thing The most Iggy thing To happen in this episode It's like Hold on guys Let me go to the bathroom And then you just hear Cluck
0: And you know the, The thing like What I What I What I saw of him it, like I said, in his forties, where I felt that, like, oh god, what's going to happen next? When the Stooges were in their heyday, he was, he was out of his fucking mind on the stage, and and the the three of them stood there like statues. Uh, Scott Ashton never even looked up. If if you see old footage, you just see a fucking like giant mop of hair and drumsticks flying. He never even looks up. And uh, Ron and Dave, I don't think they take a step. But Iggy is... He, he, like I said, he's confrontational. He, he, he invented the stage dive. He, he's the first, or he's credited with, he was the first guy that stage dove into the crowd. People would, people had almost like reactions to the Stooges like they did to, um, when punk broke in the UK. And it seemed like it was only happening with the Stooges where there was a lot of spitting and a lot of throwing shit at the band, um they would throw bottles people would throw bottles and that would break on stage and Iggy almost like in an act of defiance would he would take the shards and cut himself yeah. up or he would just roll around in the glass there's there's well, so he wasn't the first to really do those on stage type of things well in the US was he or was he well? Like, as far as being known to do it, early seventies, man, late sixties, early seventies. Like, I don't know who else is is doing that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Even I don't know who else is getting spit on and getting bottles even thrown at them.
1: You know? Yeah, that is the beginning of that punk aesthetic, which is is wrong in a lot of ways. It's something that ruins punk at times, a whole gobbing and shit like that. Yeah. Um, they have a famous bootleg, uh, called Metallica K.O. Mm-hmm where a bottle hits you can hear it uh, yeah i think it hits uh alexander in the head right i think it hits the bass player and knocks him out or something but it's i don't think it hits iggy but yes there's a bottle getting hit this is like one of the most famous bootlegs ever yeah Metallica. ko and yes. it's it is one it is quite wonderful you can find it now like everything else that was a bootleg on Sp- I mean, Spotify is going to release people's thoughts eventually. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you no, know, it's true. There, this is one of the most bootlegged bands of all yeah. time. For for and for a band that had, um, you know, not counting their two thousands output, they they released three albums, and they are they probably for each three album, you know, for three albums, they've probably got fifty pretty well-known bootlegs of, of a pretty short period of time. Um, weird for like a proto punk band.
1: I mean, yeah. like this is once again, this is like what you hear of like a jam band is like, we just do a million different versions of songs and live. This is a three chord band. That people want to hear different versions of these songs. Yeah. And want to hear them live. Yeah. Different process of how they recorded. That's wild.
0: Yes. Yeah, they 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 people want to collect everything. Uh everything of theirs. Um, but at the time you couldn't give this shit away. Couldn't. Couldn't.
1: Eight cents. I'm gonna harp on that. Eight (laughs) cents. (laughs) This is groundbreaking music. Yes. Pure magic.
0: Yes, yeah, it Makes is. It, it still, it still gives me, it still gives me the chills. Yeah. Um. I uh. Yeah, I actually wanted to wait to do an episode on Iggy until I was like, oh, I don't even want to do one right away because I, I want to get comfortable with this format before That's I even, smart. yeah, before I even, before I even try him. He had a, he had a couple. Uh, he had a couple quotes that I liked from around the time I, I saw a clip of him on the Dinah Shore show. Oh yeah, yeah, and and she was asking, you know, do you, do you think that you have influenced anybody? And uh, you know, this was obviously too early in the game to know just how many people he'd influenced. But he said, I don't know about that, but I do think I helped wipe out the '60s. Yes it's a great quote <laughs> and,
1: and that's that's why him and Lou and the velvets, yeah, didn't sell nothing they they were against what was going on and what was selling, and the zeitgeist they were they almost it's interesting, they almost like showed us the impending dread of what the seventies were gonna be. Yeah, yeah. Every, or at least the middle seventies.
0: Yes. Everyone everyone picks uh the Rolling Stones at Altamont as like the end the end of the sixties and the end of uh, Party's over. yeah. But I was like, nah, I think go back <laughs> go back and listen to the Velvets and the Stooges because they that that's where you hear that's where you hear the change blowing through
1: well, well, I think they're not wrong in that I think that is the sea change I think that's what happens, but I do think that 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 first velvets and 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 definitely white light white heat and the first stooges album. Um, they were the whispers of it, that yeah. there was a change. This yeah. is, the, these were soothsayers telling you, no, it isn't as great as you think it is. And you're going to find out soon enough. Yes. And then Funhouse is kind of right there with 1970 telling you, look, the sixties are done. Yeah. Look at the
0: cold reality out here. Yeah. Um, I love, uh, wait, I love this too. I have to find it. Um, So, Iggy, in this, so this is a 2016 documentary, so a lot of these interviews with Iggy on Gimme Danger are called from, you know, 2014, 2015, and he still sounds like he has so much disdain for that California music, for all that happy shit, um he said uh he had a i'm paraphrasing here but he says some of the biggest california acts from the summer of love were created by men in suits in meetings and yeah. it, and it smelled and they still smell i love them <laughs> <laughs> i love how fucking love punk so rock much. is that it's to just think it's like the 50 years later he's still angry at like the mamas and the papas I think he just found it to be phony And
1: people, like and I don't, I can't jump on it I don't know how phony everyone was there There's plenty of that stuff that I listen to And I yeah. enjoy, it doesn't move me Quite like Iggy does There was a realness to this Yeah That's the difference It's pretty crazy that there I mean, so much gets brought up With like the Manson murders as the end of the 60s too, right? Yeah and At that time And, and like how, it, that muse The Stooges are kind of that dark underlying like you would you could see people who liked Manson or in that group liking yes that music and I don't want to use that as an endorsement but it's it's that is the uh, the cutting
0: through of of through the flower power yeah it's yeah crazy yes what's what's even crazier is that this, this album if possible makes less of an impact critics hated it critics hated Critics, for the most part, seem to hate both both those albums. Um, it's crazy how th- that changes over time. Well, now all the reviews are are
1: in the, the magazines oh, yeah, are five stars, yeah, five stars, stars
0: ten out of ten. Yeah, it's funny. I went back and I, I I googled Funhouse reviews. The most depressing thing first, fucking Pink came up. Pink has an album called oh, funny. Yeah. yeah. So everything was like, oh Pink's. I was like, oh Jesus, it's it's not even the most popular funhouse it isn't it's fitting though that's fitting that way it's like kind
1: of the respect there
0: but then i'm reading all these reviews and i'm like w- like another glowing review and then i was like oh this was written in 1998 know, a lot of these
1: people so rock journalism was still kind of new then and then the people who got influenced by rock music and rock journalism together became critics close brought it up that uh You know, Zeppelin got horrible reviews. Now you look in these books and, you know, those first four albums are all four stars, four and a half, five star masterpiece, classic, all this bad reviews, particularly the first two bad reviews. And but all their fans became critics. Yeah. People who love them which Closerman uh, brought up the theory was that was going to happen to Van Halen, and it did not. But it happened with these punk people that it ended up being a lot of critics were the people who loved the raw three-chord shit. And when this album was coming out, and even the Velvets were going to have them handcuffed, and, and then later the, the Dolls, it was viewed as not musicianship. It was it was viewed as pissing around. Yes. And then, you, you know, years of the... The goddamn Beatles are so. I have jazz snobs who yeah. all, the only pop band they ever liked was the Bigle yeah. Beatles because of those chords and shit they did and the songwriting. The Stones could play the shit out of their instruments, and we're uh, a, a, a a continuing um, the uh, tradition of the blues and the yes. progression of blues players. And this was looked as farting around and no talent, yeah. and then later people like put a flag in the ground, going, "It's okay to not be a virtuoso." Right. It's feelings. It's the songs. It's 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 kind of the charm of some of these bands that they weren't um, incredibly competent on their uh, instrument.
0: Yeah. Right. But also like, okay, you get in the studio and make funhouse then. Like it's Only they lot, could it's, do it. It's a lot harder. Yes. You know, and, and, and the, we touched on it before. It's it. It's, so much of it was simplistic and repetitive. It was just that same beat. In fact, they, they said, James Williamson said in an interview, when Iggy would dive into the crowd, they would just keep playing the same riff and the same beat over and over and over until they heard his voice again. Could be... A minute could be 10 minutes, and it just, they wouldn't change. It was like robotic until until he got up, which, oh, I bet, you know, which I guess sounds easy to people, but it's way fucking harder than it looks. Isn't that
1: foreshadowing now, too? Like, modern music now... One of the, the criticisms that people have is it's all one beat. It's all, the songs don't change keys anymore. There's, there's, it, there's a, Earlier, you guys were asking about when when I discovered the Stooges, there was two separate rock and roll ten parters. There was rock and roll on PBS, which is outstanding. There's an episode on the Stooges um, walk on the wild side. I think you can find that episode on YouTube. And then there was the history of rock and roll, which I've I've watched every episode a million times. And I saw I remember that on that. Yeah. And it's great. But on the, the PBS one the 10th episode neither of these shows cuz they came out like in the the early 90s did not know how to end the 10th part because things were still evolving episode 10 of pbs focused on searching for the perfect beat i believe is the title and it was about hip hop it was about some brit pop shit like new order mm-hmm. and 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 it was flirting with um what later became electronic music it mm-hmm. still was its own thing and techno but what is that it's the same beat over and over yeah it is bashing out. Oh, this this works. We're just going to keep playing it because people like it and to keep people moving. And yes, think about that. But 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 think about the balls to be able to do that. I go, we're just going to do that till he comes up. We're not going to yes. change it. Yeah. We're going to play this riff over and over yeah. while he does this thing. And the people are going to move to it. Yep. It became a form of music now. Yeah. Yeah. That's insane. Yes. Miles ahead. Miles ahead. And that's industrial. If you think about it, that is a factory. Yeah. The factory ain't going to change its key. All right. It's 1241, guys. Let's change the rhythm of putting the hubcaps on.
0: Nope. No, that's that's such a great way of uh, that's such a great way of looking at it. That's a great way of describing it. So it is. So Funhouse doesn't make a dent. Critics hate it. Uh Electra. So Danny Fields takes it and plays it for who's ever in charge of they they have an option on a third album. Danny Fields plays Danny Fields sees this as their masterpiece and sees it as as light years above the debut album. Plays it for the head of the record company who shrugs his shoulders and said, I, I don't hear anything. And uh, subsequently drops The Stooges from Elektra Records. Doesn't pick up the third option. Yeah. Which just fucking guys in suits killing creatives is just a tale as old as time. It will never stop. (laughs) It will literally never stop. Um, So, uh, Dave Alexander, their bass player, dies. Uh, I want it from, I believe, an accidental overdose. Uh, shortly thereafter, they um, they try soldiering on for some for some live work. Um, one of the guitarists, they they go through a guitarist or two, and then they find James Williamson, also from Michigan. So like a hometown boy, he'd been in and out of bands with Ron Ashton since they were kids. Uh, James takes over on he's added as a second guitar, and then. Um, Things change in 1970, it's like 71 maybe at this point. Iggy's phone rings, and it's somebody from David Bowie's camp saying that David Bowie is at Max's, Kansas City, which is a little dive bar in the city, uh, and um, uh, New York City, by the way. I'd, I'd say that like everybody knows, um. <laughs> Around here, you say the city—that's that's the only city on the planet. No offense to Iowa, I'm sure a lot of you guys confuse yeah. Max's Kansas City being an Iowa city. Yeah. Um. But so Iggy, so Bowie meets Iggy and tells him what a huge fan he is, and uh, they sign him to Mainman Records, which was Bowie's record label at the time. Which didn't last long, no. But um, they they fly him and James Williamson out to London. They James and uh, Iggy had recorded that. Uh, there's an album, Kill City, that the two of them did. That to me is as good as any of the Stooges record. It, it, it's certain, in my estimation, it's it's my favorite solo album of Iggy's. Um, but the whole album is just the demos because they couldn't even find a record label that that wanted to. They had such a dangerous reputation, and 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 Iggy was such an unpredictable, uh, you know, junkie that nobody nobody wanted to fuck with them. So um, that goes nowhere. But you you can listen to it now and then. Um, they try putting together some version of the Stooges in London. They run through, uh, Bowie suggests all of these studio musicians or, or uh, you know, guys from local London bands. Iggy doesn't like any of them and convinces them to bring back the Ashton brothers, but they now move, uh, they now move Ron Ashton over to bass. And it works. Yeah. And, and he ends up, yeah, he he ends up being this really, I don't think he liked it. I I don't think he I think he saw it as a demotion
1: in a lot of ways it was. But the fact that that rhythm section now is brothers and, you know, so many people talk about siblings having some kind Mm -hmm. of a uh, link. And you've heard stories of musical telepathy where people just know where they're going because you played with them. This is an example. And the the rhythm section is um,
0: outstanding in this uh, in that record. Yes. And James Williamson is very, very talented guitar player. Yes, more
1: skilled, but still there was this raw. I mean, there's the squealing sounds that come out of that are insane. And and uh, in all due respect to Ron, they wouldn't have made that record. That record would not be the same without Williamson. I mean, you, you don't get a give me danger with him now. Uh, penetration is just—I I just think of that as, as all of his shit is as, as Williamson's riffing and 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 uh, search to
0: destroy. God damn. Yeah, I, I'm checking. I believe that's the first song on yeah. the album, right? Yeah. So when that album opens with "I'm a street, I'm a street walking cheetah with a heart full of napalm," holy fucking it's the greatest shit! Greatest lyric ever. It's it's cer- it's certainly up there. It sets um, the tone right away. Yeah. And then goes into Gimme Danger. Goes into Gimme With me, acoustic guitar. Yep. Your pretty face is going to hell, which is Which is wonderful. which is it's such um when you're a young man to write that about a woman, you know, like to have <laughs> that to have that foresight. <laughs> you got to have real I, listen, I have no idea who it was written about or anything like that, but but you've got to have real foresight to, to to know how hurtful something like that is.
1: Um, uh, yeah, it's it's. Great. I mean, this is one of those albums that all the tracks are just. To, they're actually those three albums. All the titles are pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Like, you can just go, oh, I don't even have to hear this song. I love it. It's great. Death Trip. Of course I love Death Trip. I'm in. <laughs> Little Doll. I love it. Come on. Yeah.
0: You, you, know it's, you know it's funny? You know what I was looking at? So, so Raw Power has eight songs. Um, Funhouse has seven. I think the debut album has like eight or nine songs. So you're talking about a total output on on record of like maybe 23 24 songs something like that and yeah. and to think what those did you know for for for, ev- for every rock band of that era to to they were all influenced in 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 some way um, yeah that
1: that's a bible for a lot of bands yeah. those 20 songs yeah. and then live they would do louis Louie which you can find versions of that which is even more of a six, seven, eight minutes of yeah. the same thing over and over. It's kind of the, what you're describing with we kept playing the same beat over and over. They play the riff to death and make it a, a longer slodge. It's the most stooges thing in the world. Yeah. But, uh, but, but yeah, one or two covers plus that is what they were. Yeah.
0: And the legacy was born from that. Yep. And then Raw, Raw Power comes out, produced by Bowie um, with that great Glam rock album cover of, Love of, of Iggy and um classic songs that should have been embraced by certainly Bowie's fans. And uh again, just fucking goes absolutely nowhere.
1: Yeah. But I mean, it's weird though. You look at what Bowie was at that point. Ziggy's a real rock album. Yeah. But, uh, It makes sense later that Bowie fans could like this with, with with the challenging shit he does later. Yes. Cause he was, it was still kind of a poppy thing. Yeah. You really think about what he was doing. Then later, of course, like if you love lodger, the Eno albums, you probably listen to this and go, this is insane. Yeah, Of course this came out. Yeah. But if, if you just love space oddity, I could see you put this record on and, um, Breaking your record player in the middle of listening <laughs> to it, just just shattering it. Yeah. Going, I don't want to hear music ever again.
0: <laughs> um, and then uh, they they sort of quietly break up uh, this this time for almost thirty years, and then um, as time goes on and their influence is felt more and more and and bands you know as the 90s come along and bands like Nirvana are name checking them in interviews and their influence is is felt there there becomes renewed renewed interest in, in seeing them get back together. Uh, and then and then uh, 2003 they they played Coachella and then I believe they announced after, I want maybe it wasn't Coachella maybe it was I don't know it was one of those fucking festivals um <laughs> and then they announced they were going to play one show on the west coast I think in San Francisco and one show on the east coast at Jones Beach yeah uh, which I went to it's got to be amazing it was Don't
1: sleep on one thing though I'm sorry to interrupt yeah part of this comeback come from oh yeah Jay yeah, Massis yeah. yes with to with the Asherton brothers yes where they would tour and do the Stooges and I think they even did Funhouse in its entirety yes with Jay yeah. Massis yes uh, yep. Dinosaur Jr yeah yes leading the band yep. and that led to a rena- a slight renaissance mm-hmm. in the interest of this band that yes. I think ultimately led to the reunion
0: yes Steven Perkins would sit in with them uh, yes. we had him on a, about a month ago talking about it um yeah, that's, that's a great point. So there's, so then Iggy, Iggy's sort, you know, his solo career at this point is, is puttering along. I, I think even he would tell you that. And then they're able to, the interest in the Stooges is, is renewed. And, um, I, yeah, I saw them at Jones beach thinking like, it was so amazing that I didn't even, we weren't even furious to learn like we rented a party bus, me and a bunch of friends. Yeah. And went to the Stooges and drank the entire way. And, you know, ran off the bus to run into the to the into the amphitheater to keep drinking. And that's when we found out Jones Beach is dry. Yeah. Yeah, that's always fun, huh? Yeah, getting off yeah. a party bus and then like being told like oh you if you leave you can't come back. <laughs> Having to but they were so good that you didn't even like once once they once they hit the stage and then especially then cuz you were feeling like oh they're never going to do this again. This is this is a one-off. Yeah. And I'm I'm seeing I'm seeing something that shouldn't even be right now. And then but then they end up they end up uh touring for for several years after that until um, and it's interesting. They, it's because it's like they looked at themselves as, as having been two different errors. I think because those. First few years with Ron and Scott, and um, they had the great Mike Watt on bass, who I'm a huge fan of. Yes, um, he, and he he was instrumental, and with with Jay Mascus, like he he was part of all that.
1: That's right. I think he was part yeah. of that group. I think it was Mascus, Watt, and yeah.
0: Ashton, right? Yeah, and Ashton. Yes, and. Um, they won't they don't play anything off Raw Power. So it's just those first two records. It's like Raw Power doesn't even exist. And then Ron Ashton dies I, I like two thousand nine or something like that of a heart attack. And Iggy feels like the Stooges aren't done. They they they've released um a couple studio albums. One, the weirdness, which yes was not good. It's completely forgettable. Yeah, that's the problem. When they got back
1: together, the songs that were on Skull Ring aren't the worst. No, that was when like there was another slight um, rebound for Iggy, where yeah. he put out Skull Ring, where he had a one. I'm not a Sum Forty One fan, but no. they uh, do a wonderful song with him, Little Know It All. Mm-hmm. Got yeah, that mad was a good play song. on the Underground Garage, yeah. and I was obsessed with that song. And that was like a comeback type album for him and then there was buried in that were four songs with the Stooges is
0: yes, a big deal. Right. But the records yes were not as uh inspiring. No, although the the fifth and final studio album Ready to Die was um, had had that sense of humor like it, it it was they they always had a bit of a sense of humor to them. Yes. Mm-hmm. The weirdness seemed like it just forgot it, I I don't know what they were trying to do, but Ready to Die was it was Better. It it was it was better than you could have hoped for for the stoop from the Stooges at, at that point in in their lives. So I remember being pleasantly. Now I, I wouldn't say it's anything I ever go back and listen to, but at the time when it came out, I, I remember giving it enough play and thinking like this is actually a pretty solid effort. Um, Ron Ashton dies of a heart attack, and just as. Uh, James Williamson, as we said up top, is coming to the end of his career at Sony. So after, after the Stooges, he said that he went to work in a recording studio, and he said the only thing worse than being in a band with people that you couldn't stand being around, playing all day, was... Recording five or ten bands full of people you can't stand being around, not caring about the music even. (laughs) And he, he, so he said he tried working for a recording studio but hated it, and then like had an interest in engineering and started this career at Sony and hung up his guitar and never, never played again. Um, and it's weird. Like I'm sure as those years pile on, you know, like, like I wonder if those first few years did he have an itch, like oh God, you know, like. Like waking up, commuting every day, and all that shit. But then um, he ends a twenty-seven, twenty-eight year career at Sony, and just just as he's retiring with with a nice package and nice benefits, Iggy comes calling and How says, crazy "Yeah," and says, "You know, I I, I think that." We we have shown the light on the first two records, and now I think that now I think the time is right for everybody to remember how great your input was. And then they go, they go out and play. Um, they perform raw power in its entirety at a lot of shows. I saw them do it at Atlantic City. Steve McKay was Ugh. back and playing sax. Um, but then Steve McKay, I don't remember the order, but then Steve McKay and Scott Ashton. Both die, and that's it. And then that's that's the end. And then you know, I, I I don't think I don't know if James Williamson stayed in music or if he just you know went on that run with them. But uh, that was that was it for the for the Stooges. You know, Iggy's yeah. Iggy's career will will cover will cover on another. I love so much of what like he he just as he got older and started putting out like. Like albums of like French standards, like French jazz. He's such a fascinating dude. <laughs> it's so <laughs> interesting. He grew up in a trailer park, but not yeah. it. By all accounts, it doesn't sound like like his dad was a college professor and his like. I I don't. I'm not sure. You know, you you have that stereotype in your head of of people in trailer parks, but it sounded like he grew up very well adjusted. Um. He would play, he was a drummer. He, they, they, they bought him a drum set and he, he would yeah. practice. Can you imagine living in a trailer with somebody with the energy of Iggy Pop and a drum set? Well, the parents' living room, the
1: living room became their bedroom. Yeah. They gave him the small room they had so he could have his drums. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. And then. Uh- Oh, so could I, uh, I got two stories. Could I, yeah, can go I feel ahead. Real, like we're, we're yeah, at the real, quick, so real, real quick? So when Mike Watt joins the band, I think he tells this on Marin's podcast, but it's the best where, where Iggy's calls him and wants him to be the Stooges. And, and Mike is just, just so excited. I mean, the Minutemen love the Stooges. And he's like, well, one thing, Mike, you know, you can't be dressed in that flannel and, uh, <laughs> and looking like a lumberjack. And then there was a pause and Watt really wants the job he doesn't want to not be the bass player of the stooges because he addresses he goes what about black shirt black jeans and and converse and then there was a pause by iggy and goes strong all right i'll see you at practice (laughs) strong strong (laughs) i use that word strong a lot i think it's because of that so years ago i'm back for a bachelor party in vegas where i'm from And I have a stand-up show the night before a comeback. It's a homecoming. It's a bunch of us who moved away and now we're having it and I'm closing it. And I did it the year before. And I can tell you with all humility, I bombed hard in front of many people. And I got paid really nice and it was awful. So I'm in my head and I take my cousin as my like my one. I can get in at the show and I have him kind of be my handler. And we're leaving. We get pizza on the way to the gig at the one decent place in vegas to get pizza across from the hard rock and we see a sign tomorrow night iggy and the stooges oh, nice. i stopped the car in traffic and i turned to my little cousin it's the same day as the bachelor party i go Whoa. and then it says postponed and i go oh my god nick thank god i'm the best man at this fucking wedding and i'm gonna i would have canceled on the motherfucker and got tickets that i couldn't afford i would have gone because i never saw the stooges you, you tell me they saw them. Yeah.
0: Like so yeah. A bunch of a bunch of time. I I got I was lucky. I, they, they, I probably saw them five or six times during that 13 year run. Yeah. God bless you that you did. Um, I honestly was like, holy
1: shit. I, we're at a come to Jesus moment. We're going to have to yeah. find a way to get this whole bachelor party into this fucking thing. And, <laughs> and it ended up being postponed. But I was like, that's how important it was. This yeah. is like what my best friend's, my still one of my best friends to this day this kid and i contemplated holy shit i mean i might have missed my gig if it was that night and yeah. it was
0: happening yeah <laughs> that, that 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 would be worthy of consideration for, oh, for oh. sure mutter on me <laughs> all right on. um james tell everybody where to find you tell them when the album's coming out tell them how to get it
1: uh let's see uh d james pattern on instagrams pattern but with an m check that out um i have a new podcast coming out in october Hopefully, the next couple of weeks after this episode drops, it's called "Thanks for Coming Out," a podcast about bombing with my buddy Shuli Agar, formerly of the Stern Show. We interview comics about bombing and early shitty material
0: at open oh, mics. It's cool. Oh, I want to hear that. It's gonna I be the shit, So baby. many great bombing stories, but buddy. It's, we're gonna get them all out. <laughs> uh, and then November twelfth is the check spot. It'll
1: be dropping please buy it if you can't afford it stream it a million times but check it out and spread the word this is the type of album that um we're approaching like it's a punk album and a pre-punk album this is going to be a word of a mouth it's yeah. different it's uh 33 minutes of me eating checks while people pay their bills and video is going to be dropping later in the year or beginning of next year of it and it's really cool so please support that and this comes out past october 4th right yeah, this,
0: episode? Here, oh, wait, this uh, episode.
1: Yeah, I can announce this. I'm guessing. Go ahead. New York Comedy Festival. November 11th is my album release party. It is part of the festival. 1030 uh, New York Comedy Club, Fourth Street, the second amazing. location in the East Village. 1030. I have a wonderful lineup with special guests. Um, Night Cream, which is Greg Stone's comedy band, which is the greatest thing I've ever heard. If we can sell tickets early, I might get burlesque. I let that out, yeah. And then after the gig is an actual party that is sponsored by the New York Comedy Festival. I used to have to sneak into the party when they used to have their Thursday party at this festival and was the last one out, usually every time, yeah. And now, it's my goddamn party. Oh, so that's amazing! Go get tickets. Go to New York Comedy Festival. Go to New York Comedy Club and get tickets. Come to this. It is going to be a show. I'm, I'm going to eat checks. I'm going to do a check spot before the band comes out. Oh, that's also. John Laster, Corinne Fisher, Nathan McIntosh. It's a great lineup. Check it out. Yeah. So I'm done plugging. Thank you, no. man. This
0: Congratulations, dope. man. Yeah. I'm Thank gonna, you, brother. I'm going to come to that. We're going to party that night. It's going to be a wild night. Oh, I'm friend. so happy for you. Thank you, baby boy. Did you have fun? So if it turns out that this is COVID and it's, made, it's your last podcast you ever do, or are you happy with the appearance? <sighs> yeah, I think it went great. But buddy, I hope these <laughs> home tests I took are fucking accurate.
1: Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> if not, there's going to be some real issues. I, I may or may not have of uh, of of kissed someone and God no like what are we I mean I can't right? I'm
0: sure you're well if it comes out tomorrow that Soul Joel has COVID I know where
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> he, he got it from talking on the
1: phone <laughs> 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 all How right, bad buddy. It is.
0: <laughs> this was great thank you so much for doing it thanks for, thank you, baby, uh, thanks boy. for giving me some of your time man all right i thanks, love you, you. i'll talk to you soon everybody follow uh i love rock and roll at rock and roll and spelled out on twitter and uh tweet us tell us tell us what you want to hear covered kahuna you got anything to promote uh no i think we're good man that was a good episode. Yeah. Oh, wait, very quick. Can I end with the story that that I told and called you a couple days ago? Sure. So I listen, I listen to what a cool moment Kahuna, what a cool rock and roll moment Kahuna has. So um, they're doing, so Kahuna's dad, I don't know if you know this, Kahuna, no, I, I, he wasn't on the board when you did it last time. Kahuna's dad was Prince B from PM Dawn. And um, I'm listening to Nirvana. They're they're doing a town hall on Nirvana on Sirius XM to celebrate the anniversary of, um, I forget if it's 25th or 30, whatever the Nevermind 30th. And uh, they're doing a town hall, and I'm listening to Dave Grohl, and he's talking about, someone asks him, hey, when, when Nevermind came out, did you hear from any other Did you hear from famous musicians Like congratulating you And he thought about it And I, he named like oh I think like A dude from The Replacements Like dropped me a nice note or something And then he says oh you know who You know who uh, You know who reached out and said that This album is, is Brilliant and that it were like The future of rock or whatever Just like glowing reviews This is the dude from PM Dawn how cool is that yeah so fucking dave grohl is uh is name checking kahuna's old man on uh it was wild because then he he calls me like almost almost instantly after it happened so excited so ready to tell me and it and it threw me for a loop because i was like what and i had to re-sign up for sirius xm to listen to it again did did you did you hear it yeah i heard it oh okay it it was awesome Oh, my God. Congrats on that. That's dope as shit. Thanks, boss. Thank you so much. Well, that's wild. You hear that serious? I just got you a subscriber. (laughs) 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 Why don't you throw me on your network? There you go. All right, everybody. We'll see you next week. James, this was great. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you, baby. All right. Talk to you soon. Later. Later.